This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You found it. Your number one place for free English lessons on the internet. Learn American English with this guy. Don't forget to leave a five-star review if this podcast improves your English. And now, here's your host, this guy. Frontier from American English with this guy and this is a real English lesson. I do this for my students almost every day and you are going to be getting a very authentic, a very real English lesson by an American English teacher for free. It's almost like you're in my class. And today in the northern hemisphere, so the northern half of the world, it is the winter solstice. So it's December 21st, shortest day of the year, and I have an article that we are going to read together. Reading and listening, those are two of the best ways to help you improve your English, and that's what we're going to do here. So let's take a look at this article. There will be a link in the description below, and this is from Dogo News. I like to use this because the English is simple, but just hard enough that I think you will learn some new vocabulary here, even if you are an advanced English student, or at least intermediate. There are actually a couple words that I didn't know in this article that I had to look up, and hopefully I will pronounce them correctly. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult article. So the winter solstice explained. We got 504 words here, so not too bad. That obviously is a picture of uh, a winter scene. So on Tuesday, December 21st, Northern Hemisphere residents will enjoy the shortest day of 2021. So let's talk about hemisphere. It literally translates to half a circle. So we're talking about the top half of the earth. So where I live in the United States, Germany, Italy, Russia, China, Japan, Korea, Northern Hemisphere, Poland, Southern Hemisphere. It's our friends in Brazil, Argentina, Peru. We'll be talking about the Southern Hemisphere in a minute because you all are celebrating summer and I'm jealous. All right, let's continue reading. Next sentence. Known as the winter solstice, it marks the start of the astronomical winter season. Anytime you see astronomical, whoops, it's actually, I guess, going to load it for us. Um, think of something to do with space. Okay. Think of something to do with space. Astronomical. All right, let's get out of that. How do I get out of here? Boom. And that happens in uh, my real English classes, too. Sometimes I don't know how to work the screen because I'm old, a boomer. This means that while the days following will grow longer, 
they will also be colder. Not fun if you don't like the winter. Conversely, that's a very fancy way in English to say like the opposite is true. Conversely, Southern Hemisphere residents will celebrate the summer solstice, the beginning of their astronomical summer with the longest day and the shortest night of the year. Now, this is the one that I actually had to look up because I've never seen this word before. The disparate, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. I had to look it up. The disparate seasons result from the Earth's rotation around the sun and its own axis. Just another way to say like the opposite. Uh, we also might say polar opposite in English, the exact opposite, which is tilted at a 23.5 degree angle. So you probably know this, but the Earth is kind of like tilted. So we right now in the Northern Hemisphere, we are a little further away from the sun than everyone in the Southern Hemisphere. A little bit of science there for you with English class. The December solstice marks the time when the Northern Hemisphere is, is farthest away from the sun. Hence, it receives significantly less sunlight than the Southern Hemisphere, which is tilted towards the star. So significantly, just think like a lot. It's another way to say a lot more or uh, something like that because it receives significantly less, like a lot, a lot less. The solstice date varies, so changes a little bit, varies slightly from year to year and can fall anywhere from December 20th to 23rd. That's because the Gregorian calendar has 365 days. Now, you will probably never use Gregorian, but that's the calendar that we use in the United States starting in January, ending in December. I think Iran, maybe Afghanistan, China. I think there are a few countries in the world that don't use the Gregorian calendar, but I think most of us do. With an extra leap day every four years. So every four years we'll have a, a leap we call it a leap year, and it is usually for us in the United States, it's February 29th, that extra day. We call it leap day or leap year. It does not correspond precisely with the solar year, which lasts 365.2422 days. So about 365 and a quarter days. Throughout the entire day, I'm sorry, I messed that up. Through the entire, though, though the entire day is celebrated, the solstice occurs when the sun reaches its southernmost point in the sky. In 2021, that will be at 10.59 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that's basically how we say New York time, which is what I'm on. That's Eastern Standard Time. And this is uh, Pacific because of the Pacific Ocean. Pacific Standard Time, which is where Los Angeles is. The winter solstice was particularly significant for ancient cultures. Significant, 
means very important. I'm watching the time because I actually have students coming in in about 10 minutes. Like that's how real this lesson is. Like you are my first class. It's an empty classroom. And uh, I got to hurry because students are coming in. So I hope you're enjoying the lesson. If you are, do you mind hitting that like button? Uh, let's get back on with the lesson. Hopefully I don't forget where I'm at. The longer days that followed provided comfort that the sun had not left them. The star's rebirth was marked with elaborate ceremonies performed at structures specifically built for the occasion. So that's a pretty difficult sentence, I think. But a structure would be some kind of uh, a building, maybe, or maybe like if you know Stonehenge in England, that's a structure that's made out of stone, Stonehenge. Um, so that might that may have been made for uh, the summer or winter solstice. I'm not sure. Among the most fa oh, there we go. Among the most famous is Stonehenge in Wiltshire, England. The prehistoric, actually I mentioned this in one of my recent videos about large things. Prehistoric, it literally means before history, before history was written down. The prehistoric, I didn't mean to do that. The prehistoric religious site comprises a modest circle of stones precisely Another way to say exactly aligned in the direction of the summer solstice's sunrise and the winter solstice's sunset. That is a very hard word to say when you put an S at the end. Solstice, solstices. You, you have to like emphasize that S, solstices. The ancient monument still attracts hundreds of people during the solstices. I don't know if you actually have to bob your head up and down as much as I'm doing when I say solstices, but it, it might help. Solstices. It's, it's just like clothes. That's a hard word to say. Clothing, not so hard. Clothes. English, right? And I'm sure in your language you have some weird things that you have to say. Solstices. Luckily, that's not a very common word. Solstices. All right, let's make this bigger here. Right at the bottom, like two more paragraphs, I think, right? No, three more. This one is going to give me a hard time, and you will probably laugh at me if you are Korean or Japanese, because I have to say some words in your language that I'm sure I will butcher. So if you butcher a word, it means you mispronounce it. I'm sure I will do that. Newgrange, a burial mound in Ireland's Boyne Valley is also a popular solstice destination. The massive, another way to say big, the massive stone structure, which dates back over 5,000 years, is designed to receive a ray of light into its central chamber at the dawn of the winter solstice. While the event is closed to visitors due to the pandemic, the breathtaking sunrise, breathtaking, it literally takes your breath away. You like looking at it so much. It's such a great sight to look at. It takes your breath away. The breathtaking sunrise will be live streamed from the chamber from December 20th to 22nd, 2021. 
Many cities and towns have started their own winter solstice traditions. In Japan, residents and even some zoo animals soak in hot baths filled with yuzu. I don't know what that is, but guess what? If I keep reading, I know that it is a citrus fruit reputed to provide the body immunity from colds. Oh my gosh, that's a pretty hard right there. So reputed, it means like people have said this probably for a long period of time, reputed and immunity. If you are immune to something, it means it can't hurt you. So you are less likely to get sick if your body has a good immunity system or a good immune system. We'll change it to immune, but immunity means it's not going to hurt you. In Korea, the winter solstice is called, yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. If you are watching from Korea, Dongji, that's wrong. I'm sorry. Or Little Lunar New Year, it celebrates the symbolic return of the sun. Many families observe the special day by eating patchuk. I don't know what that is, but if I keep reading, it's a red bean porridge made using azuki, beans, and rice flour dumplings known as that word right there, shalsim. Again, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm butchering it. I'm sorry, but I at least know they're like little dumplings made from rice flour. Residents also sprinkle the red beans around the house to keep evil spirits at bay. If something is kept at bay, it's kept away from you, so it can't hurt you. The Secret Lantern Society, I'm sure that that's what that picture is. The Secret Lantern Society in Vancouver, Vancouver, Canada, marks the winter solstice with processions. That's uh, another way to say like a, a parade, people marching in line, processions, music and artistic performances in four locations around the city. Two venues also feature the labyrinths of light. Not an easy word to say. Labyrinths. A labyrinth is like a maze that you can walk through. Maybe you can get lost in it. The stunning displays each comprise 700 comprising. So let me read that again. The stunning displays each comprising 700 lit candles are designed to provide visitors with a calming experience. I do believe there is a preposition missing there. Each comprising of 700 lit candles. I think that is a typo, and that does happen sometimes. A typo is if uh, an article is written, but there is a mistake in it. I think that's a typo. I'm blaming the typo on why I read that sentence the wrong way at first. All right, you just experienced a real English lesson with a real English teacher. Thanks so much for watching. See you next time. In today's English lesson, you are going to learn at least 17 different ways we use the word cold in English. Sometimes we'll use it as an adjective. Those describe nouns. Nouns are things. Sometimes we'll use it as a noun. Sometimes we'll use it as an idiom. But guess what? The good news is we don't ever use it as an English phrasal verb. And I am filming this lesson during the winter 
we're gonna take a walk in the woods here, but it's not that cold. Maybe we should talk about the definition of cold first. It's just the opposite of hot. But um, to some people, it might be cold right now. It's negative 10, but there are other people walking in the woods. Last night, it was negative 30. It was 30 below last night, so it was actually colder last night. Some people might actually think it's pretty warm today. So cold is the opposite of hot. And that's how we use it as an adjective. You can describe weather as being cold, but you could also catch a cold. And that's one way we use cold as a noun. I've done a whole lesson on how to describe yourself if you are feeling sick in English. I will leave a link to that in the description. But a couple ways that you might feel if you have the common cold is you might have a, a runny nose, you might have a headache, you might be coughing or sneezing a lot. We say in English, there is no cure for the common cold. There's no medicine you can take to fix that cold. It just has to run its course. It has to be in the body for a couple days or maybe a couple weeks before you start to feel better. Sometimes we use cold as the way to say it's not hot. And we usually use this with food. So maybe you are going to have a cold breakfast. You might hear this if you are going to stay in an American hotel. Sometimes they will have something called continental breakfast. That's a cold breakfast. Nothing at that breakfast will be served hot. You'll probably have muffins or bagels, but there will be no hot eggs hot bacon or sausage if that is something you eat. You might have cold cereal. It's the opposite of hot cereal, something like oatmeal or porridge. You could also eat a cold soup. Most soups in the United States are served hot, but a cold soup might be something like cucumber soup. You could also have a cold turkey sandwich. It's not gonna be a hot turkey sandwich. Another way we use cold in English is if somebody is mean or not friendly. Somebody might give you a cold stare. Do you know what a stare is? Well, there are a couple different kinds of stares in English, but a stare that I'm talking about is the one where somebody just looks at you for a really long time. They might give you a cold stare. It's kind of mean, there's no real emotion behind it, or somebody might give you the cold shoulder. Maybe you have a friend and you got into an argument and they uh, started ignoring you for a couple days. That means they are giving you the cold shoulder. Unfortunately, the sun is starting to go down, so it is actually getting a little colder here. you're very quiet, I think you might hear some kind of animal knocking on a tree somewhere out there. Could be a woodpecker, I'm not so sure.
Uh, sometimes we use cold with crime or when something is illegal. You might hear the term a cold-blooded killer. That's someone who kills in cold blood. It's a, a really bad way to kill somebody. I'm not sure if there is a really good way to kill anybody. Either way, it's probably horrible, but the worst killers, we call them cold-blooded killers. They kill in cold blood. You might also hear something called a cold case. This is when a crime, usually a murder, unfortunately, but that is when they can't find the killer. Many years have gone by and still the crime or the murder has not been solved. We call that a cold case. Dogs, they are sometimes used in solving a crime. Well, they might get a cold scent. If they are sniffing around and maybe they are close to solving the crime, maybe they have a trail and they're following where the kidnapper went or the thief went or the murderer went, but suddenly the dog can't find the smell anymore. They just stop and they don't know which way to go next. We might say that the scent has gotten cold. Scent is something you smell. So flowers, they have a scent. You can smell that. A cold scent is when a dog can no longer find the trail to catch some kind of criminal. A lot of Americans like guns. And you might hear this term with cold. You can get my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. Pry. That means pull really hard. So a locked door or a locked window might have to be pried open. You might pry that open with a crowbar, but many Americans love their guns so much they're basically saying you are going to have to kill them to get that gun. You can pry it from my cold, dead hands. Man, we've been talking a lot about some negative things. Death, guns, cold hands. Um, I hope you're liking this video. I hope you're learning something from this lesson. If you are, do you mind uh, clicking that like button? Thanks. Just in case you were wondering, we are on the red trail. How do I know that? Well, right there is what we call a blaze on the tree, and it's a red blaze, so we're on the red trail. You might hear they entered the game cold. So if somebody is playing a sport and they didn't have a chance to warm up or get ready, they just had to come into the game quickly they didn't get a chance to stretch. They came into the game cold. Something else we use with cold is, ooh, it's a little steep here. I hope I don't fall. If I fall, I'll record it and you'll see me go down. But another way we use cold is to know something cold. And that means you know it really well. So if you have an English exam, I hope you know it cold. That means you're going to get a hundred on that test. You know every, 
Well, you know everything there is to know. You know it cold. You know it really well. You can also have a cold snap in English. This is when we're talking about weather, and this means many days in a row where it is very, very cold. In the United States, we use Fahrenheit. So many days of below zero temperatures could be called a cold snap. We also have a heat wave in English. That's the opposite. That's when it's really hot for a number of days in a row. All right, more bad things for this one. Well, one bad and one good because we use this next saying two different ways, out cold. So somebody could be knocked out cold, which means they probably got hit in the head and they are unconscious. That's a big word, unconscious. It means they're still breathing. They're not dead. That's good, but you can't wake them up. So that's kind of scary. Or if they're out cold, it might describe that they are actually sleeping. So sometimes babies are out cold. They just are really hard sleepers sometimes. We actually have a term in English and it goes something like this. He's sleeping like a baby. Again, if you've ever had a baby, you know sometimes they can be out cold, sleeping really well, but other times they might be up all night. Something else in English we say with cold is it will be a cold day in hell. And we usually say this when it's something we will never do. For instance, in the United States, maybe your country too, if it's cold enough, we have something called the polar plunge. Polar, that's another really cold word. We have polar bears. But the polar plunge is where people will go to a lake, some kind of water, cut a hole through the ice, and then jump through. Like, I don't know how they do that. I think I would have a heart attack. So it will be a cold day in hell before I ever participate in a polar plunge. Oh no, we got another hill here. It's always easier to go up than to go down. Um, another saying we have is left out in the cold. That means you didn't get something you wanted. Maybe you want to attend a concert. Maybe your favorite musician is playing, but they're really popular. You try to get tickets and you can't. Well, if you can't, you can say that you were left out in the cold. I hope this doesn't happen to you, but if all of your friends go to a party, but you didn't get invited, you would have been left out in the cold. And you might be saying to yourself, Brent, that has to be all the cold terms and sayings. No, there are actually a couple more. How about she got cold feet? That means she was going to get married, but for some reason she got scared and she didn't get married. This can happen to guys too, but uh, he can get cold feet or she can get cold feet. If somebody has cold feet, they were going to get married, but for some reason, they decided not to. And the other person is probably pretty upset. Well, that's it, right? No, there are more. 
Uh, what about cold turkey? You could stop something cold turkey. Now we usually use this when there is something happening that is bad, usually a habit. So let's say you are a smoker. I hope you're not. Smoking is bad for you. But if you are a smoker and you want to get healthier, you could stop it. Cold turkey. That means one day you decide, I'm not going to smoke anymore. And you never smoke again. You stopped. Cold turkey. Sugar. I love sugar. It tastes sweet. But it's not good for you. So maybe one day you say to yourself, no more sugar in my diet. I am eliminating sugar from my diet. Well, you would have stopped it cold turkey. That has to be all of them, right? No, there's more. Cold hearted. If someone is described as cold hearted, then they're really mean. They're not very nice. All right, think of these four different words. We have freezing, which is really, really cold. We have cold, and then we have warm, which is getting a little closer to hot, and then we have hot. Those are four different ways to talk about temperature, and guess what? I have another English lesson all about the terms and sayings we use with the word warm. Thanks for watching. See you next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brent here from American English with this guy. Uh, I think this is going to be English teacher challenge number 11. It might be 12. But in this English lesson, I cannot stop recording for any reason. But I do need to deliver a good English lesson so that you can improve your English. But even if I make a mistake, I have to keep rolling. I cannot stop the video for any reason. Right now, I'm walking in my neighborhood and it is cold, really cold and a little icy. So it's cold and icy and that's what makes this even more of a challenge. Plus, I have to have a light on and it makes it hard to see what's in front of me. But in this English lesson, I wanna tell you a couple stories about what happened to me last night, what is not going to happen to me in a couple weeks, and uh, why I have no beard. But before that, let's talk about the weather and talk about a couple English terms. Is the camera crooked? Is, is it straight? I'm a little worried about that. <clears throat> uh, hopefully, hopefully I don't slip on the ice. It's hard to see. But there is quite a bit of ice on the road. So the first uh, phrasal verb I want to teach you is bundled up. It's a really cold night tonight, so I put on my hat, I put on my gloves, I am all bundled up. 
you want to bundle up before you go outside on a cold night. And I hear some machine running in the distance. That's part of the challenge. I have to keep teaching English no matter what happens. So bundled up is the first term I want to teach you. Hopefully you know that term now. The next is a term that we might use for nights like these. <clears throat> and this is a night not fit for man nor beast. So this is a night not fit for man nor beast. So you don't want to be out in this weather. I'm sure you know what uh, a man is. Well, I'm a man and I'm out in the weather, so I don't want to be out here. But uh, this is part of the challenge. Uh, a beast, that's a wild animal. So if you have a, a pet dog, you wouldn't call that a beast. But maybe a wolf out in the woods, we might call that a beast. So an animal that is wild, that is not tamed. And you notice that I used nor there instead of or. That's just the way the saying goes. A night not fit for man nor beast. So older saying, we keep the nor. Hopefully that's something new for you. You will hear it when a night is cold or maybe a little stormy. All right, the next thing I wanna talk about, making sure no cars are coming down the street. The next thing I wanna talk about is uh, why I have no beard. <laughs> Tonight is Christmas Eve Eve. So it's the night before Christmas Eve, which is the night before Christmas. So tomorrow is Christmas Eve, the next day is Christmas. So this is technically Christmas Eve Eve. You will hear that saying every so often, and I am really, really disoriented. That's another term I can teach you. If you don't know exactly where you are, I'm not lost exactly, I'm just disoriented. It's, I don't know exactly where I am. I'm still in my neighborhood, so I'm not lost. I just don't know how far down the street I am. All right, I think I need to turn here. So the reason I, I don't have a beard is because uh, my wife and I, we don't really exchange presents. It's a good verb to use. If you give someone a present and they also give you a present. I don't know if you heard that bang, but I think it's so cold that um, some of the wood, if it has water in it, it pops and it makes a really loud bang. That happens on my back deck sometime. It's made of wood and it's when it's really cold, you'll hear some popping. Um, it's also uh, 15 degrees Fahrenheit out here, but the uh, weather, um, it's a little windy tonight. So it actually feels like three degrees Fahrenheit. And I will put what that is in Celsius on the screen. All right, back to my no beard Christmas. My wife and I don't really exchange gifts. Like we'll give our kids gifts, but we don't give each other gifts. We don't exchange gifts. So she really likes it 
when I don't have a beard. I think she's the only person in the world that likes my face better when I don't have a beard. So I told her, hey, for Christmas, I will shave the beard off. But guess what? As soon as December 26th rolls around, I'm letting the hair grow back. So last night, um, check out my Instagram too, if you wanna see some of the pictures from last night, but not too far from where I live is a city called Portland, Maine, and they have really good food, really good restaurants. So we went to, we had a date night, um, you might say, and that is when uh, a couple might leave the kids at home and spend time with each other. And that's what we did. There's a little bit of a hill here. So I'm a little out of breath. There are more street lights here now. So I know where I'm at. Yeah, so we had a date night last night and we had this really good pizza there's a picture of it on my Instagram. And the restaurant was called Via Vecchia, which means old street in Italian. So there are some figures across the, down the street here. I hope they aren't, I think they're just trash cans, but <clears throat> You probably can't see anything. It just looked a little weird for a second. That's part of the challenge though. Um, I was worried that a dog may come running out. You know, but hey, I still have to teach the lesson. It's not a challenge if it's easy. That's why this is English teacher challenge number 11, I think. Uh, yeah, so we had a great date night last night. It was a little present we gave to ourselves. And my children are 14 and 15 years old. So they could stay by themselves for a little bit. We had a very good night last night. Now, the last thing I wanna talk about uh, is my plans for next week. Heard something fall. It sounded like a dog, a chain. And uh, people probably are wondering, hey, who's that guy walking down the street with the light? Uh, in, a, in about a week, I was supposed to fly to Sweden. We were going to go through Germany, land in Germany, and then take another plane. This is a busier street. So I might turn around. Hey, but hopefully you're getting some good English listening comprehension. You know, I start the story and then sometimes I get distracted. So that's all part of learning a language. I'm sure that happens in your native language. People start telling the story. They might get sidetracked. That's when uh, people start telling a different story and they don't mean to. They might get a little distracted or a little sidetracked, but back to my story about 
the flight to Germany and then on to Sweden and then we were going to take a ferry up to Finland well guess what it got canceled just like almost everything else in 2020 2021 it was canceled so I worry a little bit about young people um, like I said my kids are in their early teens and they've had a lot of disappointments in the last couple years they seem to be doing fine but I think there are some children around the world probably some adults too that are a little frustrated because of all the disappointments that have happened over the past couple years so I do worry a little bit about people's mental health um, just you know the world is such a different place than it was just two years ago so and I, and I don't think that is for the better I think it's for the worst uh, for the worse uh, that what's going on now in the world and you look back uh, almost two years ago it'd be two years in just a couple months well I hope you've learned some English from this. There is a whole playlist right up there of English teacher challenges. Thanks so much for watching. See you next time. All right, for us to talk about ice, we need to get near some ice, which could be a little dangerous. There's a river over here and since this English lesson is about ice, let's go see some ice. But, whoa. In this English lesson, you are going to learn at least 22 phrasal verbs or terms we use in English when talking about ice. But you also might see me slip and fall a little bit, which I almost did. It is quite icy. But before we get into the lesson, let's take a look at that sunset over there. All right, this could be a bad idea. I'm not exactly wearing the best shoes. I have my dad's shoes on, but I want to get down near the river. And this ramp is, pr is pretty slippery. Who knew being an English teacher was so dangerous? I, the question is, can I get back up though? I didn't realize it would be so, oh gosh. Okay. Ice. We're talking about ice today. And the first thing I want to talk about is ice up and ice over. Two English phrasal verbs we use with ice as I make my way down this ramp. I think there's a there's a side over here that isn't too icy and I don't think I will fall. So I'm sure you all know what ice is. I've been walking on ice for the last two minutes. But we do have those phrasal verbs, ice up and ice over. Ice up. This is what we use when things start getting ice on it. 
For instance, we have something in English called freezing rain. I'm sure you know what rain is, but in English, freezing rain is when it starts to rain. It's warm up in the sky, it's warm up in the clouds, but when the rain reaches the ground or trees or branches, it will start icing up. That means it gets ice on it and it could build up. That's another English phrasal verb we use, has nothing really to do with ice, but if something builds up, it gets thicker, it gets taller. And so something could ice up. Like if it was freezing rain out right now, those branches could start icing up. The roads could start icing up. My car, I just left my car. It could start icing up. Now ice over is a little bit different, which is why I want to get down to the river. Because you could use ice up and ice over interchangeably, you could. Hey, if it's freezing rain, you could say, whoa, those tree branches are starting to ice over. The road is starting to ice over and you would be fine. You could use it. But if you want to sound like a native English speaker, we use ice over when things are actually supposed to have ice on them. This river, I'm gonna make it. I'm almost there. This river, as you can see, a lot of it has ice, not all of it, but it's starting to ice over. It's starting to have ice at the edges of the river. It gets cold where I live. It's supposed to ice over. And that's what this river is doing. It's icing over. See how that ice looks down there? We might say those are ice crystals on top of the ice. And I'm sure you know what ice is, but did you know that we actually have an adjective to use with ice and it's icy. So the roads could be icy. That ramp right there is definitely icy. So when things start having ice on them, you can say they are icy. Another noun I would like to teach you using ice is icicle. You might see icicles hanging from houses in the winter and I'll put a picture up of what an icicle is. Just to make sure you know what adjectives and nouns and verbs are, let's do a quick review. A noun, it's a thing. An adjective, it describes a noun. It gives a little bit more information about that thing and a verb is something you do. <sighs> Let's talk about two verbs and adjectives right here. I actually used one already. When I got out of my car, I slipped on the ice, slipped. It means when you're walking and your foot goes in a quick movement that you weren't expecting. So I just pretended, but that would be what it looked like if I was slipping. I just I just slipped. Now, the adjective, you can describe something 
as slippery. So that icy road up there can be slippery. It could cause you to slip. My hands are starting to get cold, so I am going to find a warmer place. Hopefully I can make it back up this hill without slipping. Oh yeah, I found the sweet spot, but there's no light. But I can't walk backwards, that's too dangerous. Speaking of dangerous, I'm just recording this in case I slip because uh, I would make for... Okay, I just slipped again, but I didn't fall. So falling would be if I went all the way down to the ground. I thought I was the only one crazy enough to come down here, but there actually is a lady in that van and she's collecting sticks down there. Well, she's not in the van now. She's down there. But that van belongs to her. Okay. I think I'm uh I think I'm pretty safe. Um they've you know one thing that helps if something is slippery or icy? Those two things are almost the same word, pretty much. It's if you put sand down. Unfortunately, there's a lot of trash in this parking lot, but because of the sand, it's not so icy. And just in case you're wondering, why is that woman collecting sticks? She's going to make walking staffs out of them, and um, or walking sticks. I'll, I'll put a picture up of what a walking staff or a walking stick is. Nothing to do with ice, though. I think it's getting a little too dark to film outside. I'll finish the rest of this video tomorrow, and guess what? I think when I continue filming, there will be a lot more snow on the ground. We're supposed to get some snow overnight. All right, it's, it's the next day. Quite a, quite a difference, huh? We are getting a snowstorm, and it sounds like in the distance, there might be some sirens because it's slippery out. The roads are slippery. There may have been an accident. And I hope that uh, the sound is okay. I had to change the microphone because it is snowing quite a bit. I didn't want to get the microphone wet. It seems like there's more light. Well, it's pretty dark. You hear the sirens? Hopefully you can. But we're talking about ice, even though we're getting snow today. Yesterday, I mentioned how a road might ice over. Another way you could say that, if you want, is the road is starting to glaze over. That means it's getting some ice on it. No ice, really. No ice, really, uh, on the roads. Just a lot of snow. If there was ice, you probably wouldn't be able to see it anyways. It's easier to slip on ice if there's snow covering it. Uh-oh. 
Looks like we might have a plow coming this way. Sounds like it. No, it's on the next street. Lots of noises here today. I just talked about glaze over. Um, now we're gonna get to my favorite part of the lesson and we're gonna talk about food here, even though we're still talking about ice. There's something called icing and glaze that can go on sweets like cakes or donuts. So icing is a type of decoration usually used for cakes and it just makes the cake look a little prettier and it tastes a lot sweeter. Glaze is a lot like the same thing, but it's just sugar and it's pretty clear. You can see right through it. We even have some donuts in the United States called glazed donuts. That's just when uh, they take some sugar, melted sugar, it's clear and they pour it over the donut. It's really good stuff. Yeah, there's a plow on the other, other side of the, the street over there. And there's a plow right beside me too. One thing you have to worry about when the road starts to glaze over is black ice. You might hear that term sometimes. It's ice you can't see, and it can often cause some accidents on the road. Another way you might hear glaze used is glazed over. We sometimes talk about people's eyes being glazed over. It's almost like there's a a blank look on their face and you want to wave your hand in front of their eyes. If someone has glazed over eyes, it could be they're very tired. Maybe they didn't get enough sleep the night before, or it could be that they're really bored. I hope your eyes are not glazing over with this English lesson. I hope you find it interesting. If you do, you mind hitting that like button? Thanks. Lots of wind here today, lots of wind. We also have ice cubes. Those are square things that keep your drink cold, ice cubes. They're also chunks of ice or ice chunks. Those don't really have a square shape and you can find them pretty much anywhere. Maybe uh, a river has frozen over there's another one we could would you could use there frozen over it's iced over it's glazed over means there's not as much ice but chunks of ice could be found in a frozen river or a partly frozen river they just don't have that square shape that ice cubes have if you go into a restaurant in the United States you could ask for some ice water and that is just water with ice cubes in it. But there are two different types of way we have ice in the United States. Crushed ice or cubed ice. So hopefully you already know what an ice cube is. That's just cubed ice is ice cubes in your drink. But 
you could have crushed ice. Crushed ice is smaller than cubed ice and it melts more quickly, but it makes your drink colder more quickly. I just said melt, didn't I? We have two verbs in English that we can use with ice, melt and freeze. Freeze is when you have ice. No, sorry. Freeze is when you have water and it gets so cold that it turns to ice. Water freezes into ice. The opposite happens when ice melts. The ice will become water again when it melts. When ice gets warmer, it melts back into water. If you are looking for another English lesson with ice, I did an English lesson at an ice rink. Thanks for watching. See you next time.